Good morning, everyone. It's great to see you. Uh, let me just tell you, you folks are all going to heaven. You come to church on a day like today, that is absolutely amazing. Isn't it great that we get to have five days of fall here in Charleston? We're in the middle of it, yeah. It'll be the greatest five days of your life over the next couple days. I love it. I, I mean, we go to bed and I'll, I'll, my last words that we say are, Alexa, what's tomorrow's forecast? And then Alexa will say, tomorrow it's going to be 58 degrees. And I'll be, you know, thank you, Jesus, for just, just a couple days. Hey, I, I want to tell you, I want to do some um, kind of bragging on you because I wanted to keep you up to date about some of your giving and some of the things that you, out of your generosity, have contributed to. We were able to raise, in just one week, we were able to raise um, over $2,500 for the Bahamas, and that's all you. That's, yes. And so we are partnering with All Hands and Hearts Response, and they are on the ground. They are giving food and medical aid to the people of the Bahamas. And so I want to let you know that your money is going exactly where it needs to go and to the people that it needs to go to. Also, I told you that since we didn't get flooded, that we would take part of our deductible and help someone else. So we gave money in your name to the Holy City Church of Charleston. They lost their roof uh, during the, the storm, and we're helping build that roof back for them, and you have contributed to be a part of that. They are excited. So, and then also I wanted to tell you about Healing Farms. Healing Farms is a ministry for people who are born with disabilities, and what happens is the, the system, the good system, helps them throughout their lives, but then they age out. Once they turn like 18 years of age, they age out. Well, 80% of the homeless people in Charleston have some sort of mental disability. And so what happens is these young adults age out of, out of all the care that there is for them and then are now part of our population and a lot of them don't succeed. This ministry is called Healing Farms. It has been in place for over eight years and they are helping these young adults get jobs, establish homes, create community. And I want to let you know in, in, that we were able to contribute to them five thousand dollars to help this ministry to happen so yeah so like in one month we gave away six percent of our yearly income so I just want to let you know that we are giving to the things that please the heart of Christ but also so that you can know that your money is going in places to help people that are in need and so let, it takes us to our next thing I'm excited about this, and, and I really want you to join in with me on this. On our trunk or treat, now trunk or treat is really a cool thing. I mean, I think we all, we all love trunk or treat and um, the idea of giving out candy. And, and what it has been up to this point is an alternative to Halloween. And, and so we wanted a place where kids would go. And normally what we do is on a Sunday evening from 4 to like uh, 5 to about 7 o'clock, we would have trunk or treat. Thank you, God, for slides. That we would do this thing and we'd have about 500 people emerge on our property that we've never seen before. And we do a really good job with it. And it was fun. Well, you know, one of the things is, is I would really like those people, their, those families to know that God loves them. 
and to know the truth about God. So what we've decided to do is we're not doing Family Fun Day this month. And we're going to take all the funds that we use on that and we're going to put it into Trunk or Treat. And we're going to blow Trunk or Treat up. I mean, we... we we are going to blow that thing up. And so uh, we're going to do it on Saturday. And the reason why we're going to do it on Saturday is so that we're really going to prepare on Sunday morning. We're going to do like a mini trunk or treat for the children. And what we're going to do, it's a dastardly evil plan. What we're going to do is do trunk or treat and invite all those families that don't go anywhere to church to come back to Crosstown and the party continues. Okay, so we're going to have the jump castle. We're going to have little kids that are going to be walking. We're going to invite them to wear their costumes to church. Now, I, you may be a little bit older here and say, well, what if one of them comes dressed up like a goblin? We're going to be totally okay with that. We want to create an environment where, where people, they'll hear about Crosstown, we'll tell them, and we're going to invite them back to our Sunday service, and we're going to blow it up, and, and we're just going to make it a great time for anybody who doesn't know Christ, who doesn't know about God, or the love of a great community, we're going to create that. So I want to encourage you to be a part of this, um, and there's a lot of different ways that you can volunteer. If you go and download our app, it will give you the opportunity to sign up and volunteer. One of the easiest ways to sign up is to do a car. It's to do a trunk. Um, and we're going to give a really good prize for the best trunk that, that's decorated out there. I was so close to winning it last year. And then Annie Laurie and her family took the trophy from me. Right? So, uh, so let me encourage you to be a part of that. Uh, sign up and be a part of it. We have a limit on how many trunks we can have, so you really need to jump on that fast. But we want you to be a part of most kids and most families. When you ask them about Jesus or about God, or you start to talk to them about what we're going to talk today, they have never heard it before. We're not trying to get people from other churches to join Crosstown. That's never what we've been about. But we want to let people know that there's a community of love here where they can experience love from everyone, but also the love of God. So I'm just inviting you to be a part of that. It's really going to be good, and, and I, I'm, I'm really excited about what we're going to accomplish. Well, this series has been about relationships. This idea of in common and uncommon that we've been talking about, in order to live in common with other people, whether it's a marriage or going to work or a neighborhood or whatever it is, then we're going to have to interact in an uncommon kind of way. Because statistically, we see that people don't do real good living in relationships. We're not really winning in marriage. Families are difficult to hold together. Communities and, and cultures interacting with each other. We're just not doing a really good job. So we need to learn how to do it differently. We need something uncommon. Not the, not the normal way people react in a situation, but we need something uncommon to happen to us. So we've been using our theme verse out of Romans 12 on what needs to happen. That we need to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holding acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world. I mean, that we got to do something uncommon, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. To let God do something in our lives. That by testing, you will, may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. That we need to take what we know and give it to God, present it to God. 
How we do marriage, how we do family, how we do communities, how we do being white, how we do being black, how we do Charleston, how we do everything. I know we all think we know, and I, I know that we've inherited a lot of bias one way or the other, good or bad. But what God is saying is, listen, I want you to take all that is you relationally, and I want you to hand it to me. And I want you to be willing to be transformed in the way that you think about yourself and other people so that you will experience what is good and perfect and loving and kind and the intention of God. See, I think every one of us know that there's this like inside of us, no matter how much evil we experience from our, from our fellow man, that we know that there is this real potential of humanity to be wicked awesome. I mean, we really do. We, we just know that marriage should be like really cool, like in the movies, you know? I mean, it should be like really awesome. I mean, we know that families and dads and moms relating to their kids should be like this incredible experience. We love it when we see movies or, or hear stories of people of different culture interacting with each other and holding hands as they walk throughout a city or, or make a community difference. We know that. But how do we get there? We do it by something uncommon happening in us and allowing God to transform the way that we think and the way that we interact with each other. So today we're going to be talking about uncommon communication. How we talk to each other needs something uncommon. I mean, we have gone crazy with Twitter. You know, we have gone crazy with Instagram and Facebook. I mean, we don't know how to talk to each other anymore. I mean, one, I, I have found that it is hard for people to disagree well in America any longer. So what we do is we get on social media, and the rule of the land is this. Speak your mind with no accountability. Just troll yourself out there. Just get out there and say whatever's on your mind without ever having an honest person-to-person -person conversation. And I tell you, what is being said, what we're saying to each other in social media, really, is, it's really not good. I mean, it's really bad that, on how we communicate back and forth. So we, we need to move outside of the common. Research has shown us that we kind of operate in levels of interaction. You know, this is the common way we do things. Most people do surface interaction. That's that cliche thing. That's where we don't really say anything about ourselves. And, and we all do this, and there are some times when you should reveal yourself and sometimes not. But we, we operate in, in a surface interaction. I think this could also really be the case in church. I think on Sunday mornings we can just paint ourselves as beautiful, wonderful, and Jesus is Lord, and it'd be a whole just kind of a surface thing. You know, then there's, then there's the, the level of interaction of general communication. That's where we pass information back and forth to each other about things, where we, we talk about fantasy football, which is great. I mean, that's very important, where we talk about, you know, our jobs or we talk about different things. We, there's general information. Then there's that level, and not, not many people get there, but there's that level of deep feelings. That's where you're in relationship, and you're actually able to share what you're thinking, what's on your heart in the realm of your feelings. 
And this is really not an area that we're doing really well today in our society. And then for some, we will get to that place where we experience deep needs. And the thing about deep needs is that's the place of vulnerability. And that's what we want to be able to help communicate and experience here at Crosstown, where you're able to socially interact with one another, where you're able to share information about life and doing life and about God, where we're able to like get to the place about how are you feeling today? You know, somebody asked me today, I, um, uh, chapel asked me, she said, you look like you're real cheerful today. And, and, and as you know, that I've been in pain with my back injury for a while, and it, it kind of put me in, the, in a really dark place for about a month, and it was kind of hard. And it's like, she's like, wow, you're, you're looking cheerful today. And, and it was really cool to be able to talk to somebody about how am I feeling today. Somebody to have a conversation that really cared about whether or not I was in pain or whether or not things were going well in my life. But it really is great when we can create an environment where deep needs, where vulnerability is. And I hope that you are in a relationship with someone or some group of people that's a, a group of people that genuinely cares for you and has God contact, um, that you can share your needs. You know, and I know this is a place where most men don't journey where we share what's going on with us, but also what do we need in our personal lives. But that seems to be the realm that, that people move in. And then researchers have found four barriers to communications. And let's see if you kind of can see what your barrier is. Uh, there's, the first barrier to communications is withdrawal. That's one of the things we do real well when we have a problem in our relationship. It's total withdrawal, just the silent treatment. And when we put up the silent treatment, communication just shuts down. Maybe you're, you're the next person. You're in the realm of escalation. When things escalate where it gets loud. And loud begins to break down communication. That's when we take an idea and then it gets, the volume gets increased and then communication breaks down because somebody in it begins to get loud. Maybe, maybe, one of the barriers for you is belittling. That we do real good putting other people down. Sarcasm. I, I, I have never seen a relationship, particularly a marriage, uh, thrive because a husband and wife were really good about being sarcastic to each other. We tried it, me and Susan tried it, we've been married uh, 31 years, and we tried it like the first year and uh, there was too many tears and too, many, too much yelling that occurred as a result of it. You can guess who did the yelling and who did the crying. Um, yes, I cry, okay? <laughs> you know, she, she yells so loud at me sometimes. But we go into this realm of belittling, and I'll tell you what, you go on Facebook and you talk about a political issue, or you talk about something you disagree with, there's no logical um, lucid thought that's being communicated. What you get is usually some little meme. Uh, they should be called means, but they're, you get a little meme that has some belittling comment about a person or a people group. And then communication is blocked by deception. That's where we begin to push out accusations and we push out unmitigated lies about the other person that we're living with, the other person that we're working with. 
you know, and these become barriers to communication. I, and I just kind of want, you know, you may look at this and say, well, that, that, that's kind of harsh, but this is common. This is what we do as homo sapiens on this planet. This is what we do with really well. You're not alone. If you feel like I've kind of put a finger on, on you individually, believe me, I think we've probably covered and canvassed the whole group today, all of humanity. This is common to withdraw, to escalate, to belittle, to deceive, or, or to speak uh, half-truths or, or, or non-verified truths about other people. It's what we do. It's, it's the common thing, but God wants to call us to something different, something uncommon. And how we speak to each other is really a sobering issue. You know, we think that genetics is the biggest influencer in who we become. And, I, and a lot of research is like, well, okay, I have this problem or I have this kind of perception of life. It's all because of my genetics. Well, I'd be willing to throw out there that genetics is not the most powerful influencer in us as human beings. Does it have a little bit of a tweak to me? Yeah, it's got a little bit. I, I maybe have a, a predilection towards one thing or the other because I'm an Irish, Italian, American. You know, there may be something, you know, I'm not really good about being in the sun without getting all kinds of things. But when it comes down to what really, really determines what I am, I really believe it's the power of words being spoken over us. I think at key points in our lives, when things are said to us, that that has more of an influence on us than even our genetics. Do we really think that the smartest people in the world are in university or research? Do we really think that's where the smartest people in the world are? No, I don't think so. I think some of the smartest people on the planet are sitting at home, broken, as a result of words that were spoken into their lives at a key moment. Just because people get into university or people get into research and all that, we think, wow, they're the most smartest people. No, I believe there's a lot of people who never actualized the potential and the gifting that God gave them because a dad, a mom, a person, a teacher, a friend, at a key point, spoke a word over their lives and their development ended right there. Do we really think that the best athletes are playing football on Sunday morning? No. I believe some of the most gifted athletic people never discovered their gifting because someone spoke it out of them. And I think this is going to be really impactful for us because we have had words spoken over us. There isn't a person here that hasn't had a word spoken over them that hasn't influenced the decisions and the actions that they've had from that point on. Or maybe it's not the words that were spoken over you, maybe it's the words that weren't spoken that should have been spoken over your life. We are influenced and therefore we need to realize that we influence most with our words. They're powerful. What we see, say to each other seems to be so important that Jesus, loving Jesus, and all the wonderful things that Jesus said, seemed to say his most sternest words about the issue and how we communicate with each other. I want you to listen to this. It almost, it almost doesn't sound like Jesus. Matthew 12, 34 says this. 
For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A very vital linkage. We can say, well, it's just words. No, he's saying what's in your heart is connected to what you're communicating to the world around you. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And he's implying producing things through what we say. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And listen to this. And I tell you this. You must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or they will condemn you. It's like, oh my goodness. I always thought the biggest problem on planet Earth was greed or jealousy or adultery, homosexuality. I mean, we kind of act like those are the most destructive forces on Earth. And Jesus says, listen, I want to let you know that one of the most destructive things that will happen in a person's life will be determined by the words that they're communicating. Like th that you have the ability out of a good heart, a heart that is uncommon, the heart that is directed by God, what we talked about in Romans, be a renewed mind. You have the ability to bring good fruit, to produce good things as a result of the words that come out of your mouth. But likewise, he says, listen, if you remain in the realm of the common, you will produce things through the spoken word in the world around you that are evil. And he said, I want you to know, I, you need to be held accountable. It doesn't mean you're going to go to hell over this, especially if we're in relationship with Christ. But he's like, listen, I want to let you know that you have the building blocks of life. And they're what your words. You can't just say, I was just kidding. Or I was just being sarcastic. Well, the scripture says, no, out of your heart you will speak, and you have the ability to produce or you have the ability to tear down. And I, I think we need to realize this includes the Internet. For the last 20 years, or really 10 years, we've kind of given us a pass on our behavior on the Internet, right? I mean, it's like Internet's kind of like, well, that's not really a moral space. You know, how I interact with people around me in my house and my job, that's kind of moral. But on the internet, I can just be, you know, a yahoo. I can just be out there and I can say whatever I want because I'm not really talking to any particular person. But Jesus says, listen, I want you to know there's, there's no just random word. There's no just idle word. There's nothing that doesn't have significance. And why would he be so strong on this issue? And I think it's one because words really do reflect our heart. If we just listen to what's coming out of us, it really does reflect our heart. If you want to know what's going on inside of you, just record what you say. Because Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And the other reason why I think it's so important is because we do have the power to build up and we have the power to destroy we are made up of the words that have been spoken over our lives or the lack of words. And, and, and I know if you're here today and you're kind of recalling some, some negative words that were spoken over you, and, and I can't even teach this without recalling some of the negativity that was spoken over my life. I guess, you know, my, my amazing father is in heaven with the Lord, but he was a young guy like me one day and, and didn't watch his words. And I remember the things that were spoken over my life. And I, I could say, you know, sticks and stones can break my bones, but names will ever, never hurt me. That is an incredible lie. 
My dad dug a trench, and my life was the waters that, that followed the path that he had trenched out through his words. And I think a lot of us have had that spoken over us. And today, God wants to heal that. He wants to heal that in every one of our lives. He wants to, he wants to speak new words over every one of us that we no longer have to be trenched out by the past, but yet our lives can go in a different place. God in Genesis, with his words, created the world around us. He just spoke it, and things began to happen. Processes got put in place, and things began to happen, and it was good, it was good, it was good, it was good. And we were told by the words of God, a really good thing happened. You need to realize that you too have the ability to create the world around you that you want. So it's common to have the habit of speaking bad words over people. That's common. It's common to gossip. It's common to tell lies. It's common to withdraw. It's common to get angry and to yell. But today we're pursuing something uncommon, speaking life to people. And so we need to be intentional about the words that we speak. So let me just talk about six ways of communicating, and this is real easy stuff. Um, that brings forth life. You need to think about it this way, and, and this kind of sounds like mis, uh, mystical a little bit, but your words have the power to create the world that you want. Now, I'm not saying we're creating like elements and things like that, but if you want to have an amazing marriage, I'm here to tell you, after having one bad marriage and now having an amazing marriage, words are one of the biggest factors that will determine whether your marriage works out. If you want to raise kids that, you know, are, 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 have clear minds, that, that have vision for their lives and have purpose in their lives and have a, a relationship with God, not kids that don't make mistakes. I mean, all of our kids make mistakes. We're all just kids grown up who have made mistakes. But rather, God wants us to begin to create an environment with, within them that is created by words spoken over them, giving them vision, giving them direction, giving them mercy, giving them truth. He wants us to speak this into their lives. So let me just, maybe these are six things that you could insert into the way that you communicate. Number one is this, praise. Praise. Tell the good about someone. Proverbs 25, 11 says, a word aptly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. I mean, he, he describes it like this, this bowl uh, you know, of silver, and inside of it is all these apples of gold. He really describes it. And the reason why I loved it is because apples and gold and silver it kind of communicates two things to me. One, it communicates value. That's probably the first thought that that we, we saw there. So he says that when we speak words of value over people, um, that this is, this is one of the most important things that we can do. But I love the fact that he put apples in there. He could have said, words aptly spoken are like bullions of gold, chunks of melted silver, or you know, whatever. But he said, no, apples. And apples are are symbols of delight and prosperity, and they're, they're symbols of beauty. And so he says, 
Speak beauty over the people in your lives. Speak value into their lives. That this is one of the most important things to create an environment where love and truth begin to flourish. You know, my wife loves those redecorating shows. And I'm not, I like them a little bit, so I'm not stereotyping, but I just, you know, I'd rather watch football. But I, I, she, she watches football with me. Uh, she has uh, uh, a football acumen that is absolutely off the charts. She knows everything about football. But I have also come to know who Joanne Gaines is and her husband, Chip. Okay, and a result of, a result of this relationship with these people, um, I have discovered that uh, Joanne has single-handedly made the word shiplap famous. Uh, I am like, if I hear somebody say, you need to put shiplap in your kitchen, you know? But she has single-handedly brought this idea and has worked shiplap into bathrooms. She's worked it into bedrooms, into everything. There's shiplap. And, and so whenever I talk to Susan, she will kind of like, oh, look, at that's a beautiful house. I love the way they use shiplap. Everywhere is shiplap. And I'm like, I thought it was granite. You remember that? Remember when granite was the deal? How about some of you? You remember when Formica was the deal? Yeah, God rest, bless it. That was many a landfill is filled with with Formica today. But you know, so it all of a sudden became like this decorative element. And so what we're being told out of the Proverbs is like when you speak words of value and beauty into a person's life, it's like shiplapping. It's like decorating their lives. Your kids should be decorated with beauty. And I'm not talking about whether they're cute or not. I'm talking about seeing the value in them and speaking about that value and speaking that value over them. Well, you say, well, you know, my kid's a jerk. You know, my kid's, well, you gotta take a little bit of responsibility for that jerk, okay? You might have gotten there somehow. So, I, so you can't just say he's a genetic anomaly. You might have created that little jerk, but you know there's something in that little jerk that could turn out really amazing, right? I was a little jerk to my father. My father said, go this way, I went that way. My father said, up, I said, down. I was so oppositional to my father. But you have the ability to speak value into him. And I bet you, you may not remember all the people in your life, but I know that right now that you could visualize and almost name a person who gave you a really good compliment. Right now, there's two people that I could, I all of a sudden just popped in my mind that I know gave me a really good compliment. But I also will willing to bet, and then we could take all the other four billion people off the planet, two people who have insulted you. Or two people said that you were ugly, or you're fat, or unathletic, or an idiot. Do you know that for most of my life, I thought I was an idiot? I mean, literally an idiot. I wasn't really good at reading. They had to put me in a special reading program to kind of get me up to speed on that. I didn't really test well. I didn't fit in well. All the way to the age of 50, I dropped out of college twice. I just couldn't sing, you know, weed, college, weed, college, weed one every time, you know. And it was just like, I just thought there was something because I had been told 
you're not like your brothers. There's something wrong with you. And that stuck with me. And it wasn't until about the age of 50. I was just like, am I really, am I really an idiot? So I had to go to a psychiatrist and get tested because I, I, I needed to know. If I'm an, if I'm an idiot, I want to own it. Okay, I want to lean into it. I want to be the best idiot you ever saw in your life, you know. And then I began to have conversations with this person, and it's like, did testing, testing, testing. It's like, oh, yeah, you really stink at math. Yeah, your, your reading speed is not really well. But then all of a sudden she said, but you're really smart in this category. It's like, you're like brilliant in this category. You're just not really good in this category, my dad's category. But my dad spoke words over me that I would just determine since I couldn't finish college, I was an idiot. Some of you have had things spoken over your life that immediately stunted your growth. But here's the terrible thing. Some of us are, are just propagating the exact same idea to the people around us. We're telling it to our children. We're telling it to our co-workers. We're telling it to our spouses. We're saying the same things. So what's your home like? What's your workplace like? What are you redecorating? And that's what I want you to go home with today is it is time to redecorate your life. It is time to go home with uncommon words and begin to speak them over the lives of your family. See, this is why across town, and I'm just going to do a little commercial for you, but this is why we value student ministries and children's ministries here at Crosstown. We've decided that we're changing the world here at Crosstown. I mean, we really are. We're going to change the world. And the way that we're going to do it is we're going to speak God's words over children. We're going to speak God's words over moms and dads. We're going to speak words, God's words over broken people, whether you're married or not. But we're, we're, just, we're hearing what kids are being told. And they're being lied to. And we want to, we want to speak God over that. So, so what we're going to do and, and is we're going to buy that building back there. And so we're in the process of negotiating that. And you say, well, why do we need another building that floods? It's because we need a place so that children can hear words of grace spoken over their lives. You know, we need a place where they can experience God's love. And, and, and I'll tell you more about that as we move forward, as we join together to, to make that a reality. But it's got to be, you have the ability to create the world that you want. Number two, and I'll have to move fast on these now, is Thanksgiving. Can I just encourage you to exchange the complaint or dissatisfaction of life for Thanksgiving? And I can speak personally from the pain category. It can become all about your pain. And God kept challenging me. He's like, dude, you cannot define your life by pain. Yeah, it's a cave that wants to close the, a, a stone on the end of it and just leave you there feeling painful for the rest of your life. And all you think about yourself is a person with a bad back or someone with a bad marriage or somebody with a victimization in your life. And that can be the only words that will speak. And, and so I had to journey with God. It's like, God, how do I get out of this cave? It's like... Thanksgiving. Talk to me. I want you to focus on the really good things about your life. And I want you to begin to thank me for those things. And all of a sudden, that, that stone begins to roll away. Light begins to crack in. Let me encourage you. Even if you're in pain, and I know pain is debilitating, 
Try to let the conversation of your life not be about the worst thing that happened to you. Internally and externally to other people, allow thanksgiving to begin to fill your home, to fill your heart. And, and, to, and everybody can complain about their boss. You know how easy it is? Everybody's boss is a doofus. We all know that, that we're smarter than our boss and that we should have our boss's job. We all know that. That's common. I'll tell you what's uncommon is to be thankful for that doofus. And there's about like five people in this church that, that work for me that are, are thanking God for me as a doofus right at this moment. <laughs> but let Thanksgiving be your loudest voice. It's okay to share your pain, but let Thanksgiving be the loudest one. Number three, affection. Um, many of us don't communicate affection. Say I love you to your family. Dads, you know, kind of break through the I love you, man, you know, kind of thing, you know? Dude, right at you. Got it. We don't have to say it. No, you do have to say it. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We have the power of life and death in our words. So don't, don't say... I don't have to say it. He knows I love him. No, he doesn't. You know, the first time when I was like 45 years old, the first time my father ever said he was proud of me, he first said, I never understood you. And then he said, but now I'm proud of you. It transformed me. You know, don't assume that the people around you got it. Okay? You need to know as the people of Crosstown, that I love you. You're like, now you don't even know me. I don't need to know everything about you to have the love of Christ in me for you. You know, but you might not have known that. Um, I'm not getting rich off of you. I'm not getting famous off of you. I think we all know kind of like this is it, you know. So I think we all need to relax. I'm not trying to control you. So why the heck would I do this job? It's because I love you. I want you to know God. I want you to be able to create the world that God wants you to have. I'm just somebody who's tasted and seen that the Lord is good, and I want you to know that that's true too. But you might not have known that before today. I was just a preacher. But it takes words for us to go. So let me encourage you to get affectionate with your words. Listen to Jeremiah. As, as God is speaking through Jeremiah and Jeremiah 31, you may have never heard this before. God says this, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. I mean, that's better than Nicholas Sparks. I mean... That's, that's the God of heaven saying that to you. With an unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. I mean, God said that. You need to be saying that to your kids, to your friends, to your brothers and sisters, to the people around you. Number four, encouragement. We need to be speaking encouragement to people around us. Ephesians 4, 6, uh, 4, 29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only that which is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Are, are you somebody that when you speak, other people are benefited by hearing from you? 
You know, and he says, don't speak any unwholesome words. Now, we think that means like, you know, uh, don't say the word. Uh, to me, kids in here. Can't, I, don't say, you know, certain words that we're not supposed to say. But if you use it in context, un- unwholesome words would be the antithesis or the opposite of anything that builds up. So you may not cuss, but you may be unwholesome. Meaning you don't build anybody up. I want to be the kind of person, I don't want to be that smart butt guy from Boston. I don't want to be him anymore. Who always has a smart, stupid, condescending thing to say to people. That's so common. They call that New England. We do that so easy. I mean, I love New England. But, you know, I mean, it's like we do that so easy, that's so common. I want, I want something, I want you to be built up after you spend five minutes with me. And he says, don't let anything unwholesome be spoken out of your mouth. Yeah, but my husband needs to know how much of an idiot he is. Well, I'm not sure why I did that voice to represent a woman. <laughs> so please forgive me on that. Boy, there's some inner healing that needs to happen here. <laughs> but seriously... No, he, he does not need to know that. Unless you're absolutely sure that you pointing out his faults is actually going to energize him and build him up, you don't need to. It would even be classified by Paul as being unwholesome. Number, number five, uh, kindness. Create an environment of safety. Um, getting loud um, is just a form of bullying if, if it makes people feel unsafe. Okay, if you have to amplify your point, you've probably already lost it. You know, a word aptly spoke. Ah, that's like gold, man. That's like, that's, like, that's like silver. When you say the right thing at the right time in the right way, man. But amplifying it and scaring your children and scaring the people around you. And I don't want to gender specify this, but, but guys getting loud with your wife... Um, uh, that's just bullying. Proverbs 15.1 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stir up anger. And that includes in children. When children are bullied and are spoken harsh to, that's why you end up with a 17-year-old boy that wants to fight his old man. That's how we came up with the phrase old man. It's because we didn't call him dad anymore. But he was in my life, so I'm going to call him my old man. That's what he is. Number six, and this is the last one. Truth in love. Speak truth without intimidation. Ephesians 4.15 says, we speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more. Let me just say this as we move towards our, our expressions moment. Truth without grace is mean. Bible belters, truth Without grace is mean. But also, grace without truth is meaningless. Say, well, I'm just about love. That's what I'm all about, love. When all's felt, love. Well, love without truth is, just, is meaningless. What is that? There's truth that comes with Jesus was presented in John chapter 1 that we got the law from Moses but through Jesus, we experience grace and truth. That both of them are conjoined together and to be spoken together. So you may have the truth of a situation, but if it's 
you need to check yourself. You can put somebody in their place with truth. And you can tell them all day long what the Bible says about them. But if you don't speak it in love, you're just a bully. But likewise, Scripture says that faithful are the wounds of a friend. That sometimes when the truth is spoken in a way, in a setting of, of gold and silver, with beauty and value, when you speak truth into that situation, the Scripture says faithful are the wounds of a friend. It's like, man, that was hard what he said to me. But you know what? I don't think he was trying to cut me. I don't think he was trying to bully me. I think he was really speaking love into my life. So let me encourage you. You have the power to create the world relationally that you want around you. Allow God to do something in your heart today to begin to give you a new lexicon, a new dictionary of communication with people around you. And just think of whether or not your words have been unwholesome to your spouse or to your co-workers or to your children. And allow God to do something uncommon in you. Renew my mind, O oh God. Give me a new heart that I may speak words of life over people. So, Father, as we enter into this moment of, of celebrating your, your table where you spoke words of life to us, today we receive the fact that God so loved the world that he gave us his only son. And so many of us have had hate words that have been spoken over us. We've been told we're the wrong color. We've been told we're not smart. We're told we're too skinny, too tall, too short, too stupid. We've been told so many things about our lives that we've been told we have failed beyond repair. Today, with great affection, you say, I love you with an everlasting love. And I have sought you and I draw you near. And today, God, we allow those words to be spoken over our hearts because they are the words that our hearts will speak. So, Father, heal us today that we may speak a new world around us. Let me invite you into this moment of giving, this moment of communion, this time of prayer, and allow God to speak his grace into your heart.